Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Good morning, Bucknutters. It is Sunday, September 29th, 2019. I am Dan Rubin. This is Bucknuts Almost Live, our Sunday morning podcast that runs throughout the season. And it is going to be a very, very long season. Ohio State goes to Lincoln, wins 48-7 over Nebraska, and it was not that close. You know, when I watch the games, I'm always trying to think of what I'm going to say the next morning on this show, and I'm almost speechless at how good the team is. They have by far exceeded my expectations. The offense has been spectacular. I'm not going to say the offense has exceeded my expectations as a whole. I had very high expectations, obviously. But the defense is just night and day. I've never seen a unit get that much better year to year. When the personnel, yes, there's some different players, but good gracious, it's really, really just so impressive. Where are the busts? Last year, I say this all the time, last year it almost feels like every fifth or sixth play you see someone sprinting through our secondary. It just never happens. Even the time Nebraska did move the ball with some success, you had 11 subs on the field, maybe 10. I think Tough Boiling was in there at some point. Anecdotally, let's go down some details here. You're starting to hear now that Justin Fields is going to get compared to Trevor Lawrence. You're starting to hear that nationally. 24-7 Sports main site has an article up right now comparing the two. If you listen to the BM5, we did that, I want to say, 10 days ago with Steve Wolfong, and I said, I think Justin Fields is going to get picked before Trevor Lawrence when he does enter the draft. And I was scoffed at. There's no more scoffing. Jeffrey Okuda, first it was the tackle and run support, and then the interception. And I thought he was going to leave for the NFL right there. Like I said, you're trying to guard against hyperbole here. But I watched Bradley Roby play. I watched Marshawn Lattimore play. I watched Darion Conley. I watched Denzel Ward. I think Okuda's the best corner we've had here. He's the cleanest in terms of a pro prospect. He hasn't been tested as much as the other guys. But in terms of size, speed, tackling ability, pedigree, I would put Akuda number one. Again, fighting hyperbole because you're talking about a, a group of a multi-multi-millionaires who were all basically first-round draft picks. Chase Young, it feels a little bit off-kilter to say anybody was better than one of the Boses at defensive end. He's better. He's more dominant. He's physically just so impressive. I thought it was said perfectly. It was either Fowler or Herb Street. I'm going to guess Fowler. He's a Sunday player playing on Saturday. Can't be said any better. J.K. Dobbins, he's running better than ever. He's unbelievable. I want to have another child so I can name it Master Teague. The offensive line, unbelievable. Let's talk about the defense. Boy, that Adrian Martinez went off, huh? That guy looked like he wanted to go back to high school midway through the first quarter. Wandale Robinson, quite the Rondell Moore impression he did, or not, locked him up. J.D. Spielman, not even sure if he played. When the offense did move for the Huskers, it was purely because our entire second team was in the game. So that brings you to more hyperbole. Where do they stand as a team? 
I mean, they're obviously, I've said this before, they're a serious national title contender. I think Oklahoma, LSU, Bama, Clemson, Georgia, Auburn, all really good teams. And, of course, Ohio State hasn't beaten a team like that yet. This time last year, when we were trying to make our arguments and trying to convince ourselves they were a playoff team, I'm not sure I had any confidence that they could beat a team like one of those six I just mentioned. Right now, I think on a neutral field, I would pick Ohio State against all of them. Not by a lot, some of them, but I think Ohio State would and should be a favorite team on our schedule that scares me the most. It is not close. It is Penn State, and it's because of K.J. Hanlon. I don't see anyone else that scares me that much. I watched Wisconsin play yesterday. Wisconsin is not beating Ohio State with Jack Cohn at quarterback. I would say hold on, people. I got a text last night from a good friend that has watched the Buckeyes play for his entire life and is not prone to hyperbole. And he said it's the best Ohio State team he thinks he's ever seen. So we will take that. We will enjoy it. We'll be joined by a regular cast of characters here as we go on the Bucknuts Almost Live. Next up, Bill Curlick on recruiting. <laughs> we are joined now, as always, on Bucknuts Almost Live. Bill Curlick. Bill, how goes it? Very well this morning, Dan. And uh, obviously things are going very well for the Buckeyes. What an impressive win last night. Just just tremendous uh, effort by High State. So, Bill, my open today was trying to keep things from getting too hyperbolic around here when my brain is telling me things like Heisman, first pick in the draft, national championship. Try and put in context what you're feeling about this Ohio State team based on your expectations heading into this season. Well, uh, one of the things I said while I was watching the game last night was um, this has been, and it's early still, um, and they haven't played the the very toughest tees on the schedule yet. That's coming. But even so, uh, this has been as impressive an Ohio State team as I can remember seeing um, in the last 10-plus uh, years. You know, I, both sides of the ball and special teams, uh, you, you, you know, they've got the complete package right now. Um, I can't say enough about the job that Jeff Halfley and Greg Madison have done with that defense. I mean, it, it's just been spectacular. They're not playing with a lot of different guys from last year, um, but the results – are strikingly different. Obviously, Justin Fields has been great. Um, the special teams, Matt Barnes has done a super job. But if I had to pick one thing that's impressed me most has been the job that uh, Madison and Halfley have done with the defense. And, and linebackers, Coach Hal Washington, what a world difference the linebackers have been this year. You know, obviously we knew about Larry Johnson. That's a, That's a given. But it's just been spectacular as far as the change for the better for the Ohio State defense. Let's be kind here, people. But let's let's also say Bill is able to put this in context. He's seen quite a few Ohio State football teams. I've never seen a team get better year to year like you just said, and I said it in the open, on one unit with basically the same personnel. It's unbelievable. It really is. It's truly Unbelievable. There's no way you could have sat around and predicted or even hoped for a defense to get this much better over one year. It's been fun to watch. I'll tell you that much. Give your sense of what you've heard about the team. Um, do you think the start to the season has picked up things on the recruiting trail, or is the brand still always what it has been? Well, I think interest was high going into the season. I thought, you know, I've, I've said it for, for quite some time, Ryan Day and, and this staff, he is a, a 
an outstanding recruiting staff. Um, you know, I've said that for some time. But so I, you know, they were doing a good job as it was, and interest was high. But the the more that they play like they have been playing, the better it gets for recruiting. You know, Mark Pantone is as good as it gets, um, uh, and he's going to help parlay this start into an outstanding, you know, recruiting effort. And and I'll be, be having today, by the way, a recruits react story on Bucknuts to last night's 48-7 thrashing, um, and, and I think you'll see some some very good reaction. But uh, you know, the kids that I've talked to, you know, <laughs> they've just been. As impressed as we are, Dan, with Ohio State, that, that translates to the recruits, and that's all positive for recruiting moving forward. You know, it, it, maybe the 2020 class, it doesn't help quite as much, but it gives that class a boost also. Uh, but really where it's going to pay off is the 2021 class in particular and on down the line, again, providing it all continues. And to be quite honest, I don't see why it shouldn't continue the way Ohio State's playing. Yeah, the beauty of it, this whole thing is it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. This isn't going to end anytime soon. Again, you people that picked Michigan over Ohio State this year, do you not have access to recruiting rankings? But I digress. Bill, we've had two noon home games so far, and we know how much coaches love to recruit at home games. That is not at all. This weekend, though, we get Michigan State at home, night game, relatively marquee opponent. What do the Buckeyes have planned for this week recruiting, and how will they cap it off on uh, Saturday night? Well, they, they've targeted two weekends this year as their big recruiting weekends. Obviously, Michigan is an away game, so that's not one of them. Uh, and, and that always, you know, hurts a little bit in that you love to play Michigan at home for the recruiting end of it. Um, but the two weekends that they've targeted for, uh, you know, basically since uh, they looked at the schedule, Michigan State and Penn State. Penn State will be absolutely huge. Uh, Michigan State is getting bigger and bigger. Um, as I put on our site, uh, this past week, uh, it looks like, it's not a certainty, but it looks like quarterback C.J. Stroud from California is going to be at the game. He's uh, making every effort to get to that game on an unofficial visit and, and then uh, quite possibly back to Ohio State on an official visit at a later point. Uh, that would be huge. They want two quarterbacks in the class, and he's a, he's an outstanding one. Jack Miller, by the way, is going to be returning to action, expected to return to action from his injury uh, next weekend. So, uh, And he is, by the way, 100% committed. He's ready to compete. He doesn't care if there's another quarterback in the class uh, with him. He's ready to go to Ohio State and compete. Let me interrupt you there because I know every person listening is going to have the same thought go through their brain. Are you saying that if C.J. Stroud comes and commits to Ohio State, you believe Jack Miller will still be part of the class? That is what I was told um, on Friday. That uh, okay. uh, irregardless of who, if anybody else comes into the class as a quarterback, Jack Miller is a commitment. He's a hundred percent, and he's ready to go compete at Ohio State. That's, that's absolutely what I was told on uh, on Friday. So yeah. Okay. Great. Um, but uh, back to the big weekend, and you know you've got some official visits coming in, and they're big. Cavante uh, Bradford, the running back. From Texas is set to make an official visit. That's huge. Uh, Tyler Barron, a defensive lineman um, from t t uh, Tennessee, is set to make an official visit. Another huge one. And 
you know, I'm, I'm just going to name a few player, other players here real quick. Damon Payne, uh, who I consider the number one prospect in the state of Michigan for 2021. He's planning to make the, the visit. He's a defensive lineman. And one other guy I'd like to mention real quick, uh, Troy Stilato, a wide receiver uh, from Florida, 2021 wide receiver that Ohio State offered him uh, a little over a week ago. And since then, I think he's added 12 or 13 offers from big-time programs, most of them. Um, he's going to make an unofficial visit, obviously, he's a 2021 kid, to Ohio State this weekend with his parents. Um, an interesting uh, prospect out of Florida that I think is just an outstanding slot wide receiver guy. So he's another one that uh, uh, is going to make the trip that I think needs, needs mention. And there's others, but those are just some of the, the, the names I'd like to throw out there. Things are quite good in Columbus. I think you can expect plenty of elite prospects to try and join the team. Bill, as always, we appreciate your contributions. Have a wonderful Sunday, brother. You too. Have a great day, Dan. We'll be right back with the People's Champ, Matt Baxendale. And we're back. As you were sitting watching the game last night, you had to know there were some people who were really, really happy and possibly a tad tipsy. One of them, the People's Champ, Matt Baxendale. Back. That had to be one of your more enjoyable evenings of the young fall. Well, you know, it got a little boring eventually. It's kind of getting to the point with OSU where they're decking teams like it's rookie mode in NCAA football. You know, that's how good they've been. We haven't had at any point in time any concern about potentially losing a game. So, you know, it was a great win for OSU, but you'd have to think somebody eventually is going to challenge them, maybe. Yeah, at the risk of getting uh, repetitive here in the open, what I talked about was just trying to avoid hyperbole when talking about the team because I think you're at the point where you can make the argument, and I'm going to do the disclaimer like everybody else does. Yes, I know they haven't played anybody in contention for the national championship. Yes, I know some of the opponents weren't up to theoretical snuff, but the team has looked as good through this many games as they ever had since I've seen them. You've got a defensive end who looks as good as anyone I've ever seen play defensive end at Ohio State, which is an incredible statement. Same for a cornerback. The defense is the most improved unit season to season that I think I've ever seen. The quarterback, and I said this on the Bucknuts morning five, ten days ago, I think is going to end up getting picked before Trevor Lawrence, and I was scoffed at. Go look at 24-7 sports right now. That's the main story. What is going on here, man? Tell me. Well, I think it's a lot of things coming together that, is resulting in a football team that's playing at a very rare level. Uh, I think if you look what Urban Meyer did, he's an extraordinary program builder. There's no question about that. Urban Meyer recruited as well as anyone, and this should not be taken as a knock on Urban Meyer, what I'm about to say. But Urban Meyer was at a point where he had passed his time as an offensive difference maker. You know, It's like the philosophies of offensive football had started to pass him by. So the guy who was a gigantic innovator in 2004 or 2006 or whatever, had turned into a, a conservative guy on offense. And I think whenever Urban decided to step down and put the program in Ryan Day's hands, you had a guy in Day who is at the forefront of offensive football and college football right now. And he's a guy who is the innovator today that Urban Meyer was 15 years ago. And he also cleaned house defensively with the staff that just wasn't getting it done. The only defensive coach he kept was Larry Johnson. And I think what you've had happen here now is is that Ryan Day has inherited a talent level at OSU that is as good as anyone in America with the way OSU is recruited. 
there's very few teams that can argue the sheer raw talent that the Buckeyes have. And now that's Ryan Day's team. And I don't know any of the big-time head coaches that are known as an innovator at this point anymore on either side of the ball. You know, Nick Saban used to be a defensive guru, but that was, you know, 10 years ago. His team just always had good defenses because he has such extraordinary talent. And, uh, you know, Dabo Swinney, I mean, does anybody even know what side of the ball Dabo started off on? <laughs> you know, uh, the, the truth is you have a coach now who is, you know, sort of changing the way that college football is played with the way he's running offense. And I think what's going on is, is that, oh, and by the way, OSU also got extraordinarily fortunate with the transfer portal, allowing Justin Fields to be immediately eligible. Uh, that's another thing is, is that this is a quarterback who is an NFL quarterback in the future. Zero doubt about it. He's nearly as physically talented as Dwayne Haskins when it comes to throwing the ball and has mobility that is as good as any quarterback we've had at OSU. He's, he's, he's almost as fast as Braxton with less shake. You know, he, he's, he's smarter on the read than almost any quarterback this side of JT Barrett. You have a lot of things just that are coming together that have resulted in an OSU team through September that's been the most impressive team in the country. Yeah, this is going to go in hot take theater big time right here about Justin Fields, and this is a relative statement, okay? So I'm not saying he's this person, but I am saying relative to his peers and his physical makeup and his gifts and where the game is, he's John Elway. Look at his body. He's bigger, thicker, has a stronger arm than anybody else. He runs good. He has no obvious weakness. Now, I'm believe me, people, I'm not saying he's going to be John Elway. Justin Fields throws the ball to the to the flats and to the uh, wide side of the field with velocity, as well as anyone I've ever seen. You talk about Day. Day is making the defenses guard every single inch of real estate. So there's your hyperbolic statement on Fields for today. I think his physical doppelganger is John Elway. You're not wrong. It's a very good comparison. A lot of us had initially compared him to a, a taller Troy Smith, but I think the, the John Elway comparison makes sense. John Elway was, people forget, a pretty good runner back in his heyday. And, I mean, even at the end of his career, remember the big helicopter play in the Super Bowl against the Packers where he was running for the first down? That's what I'm saying relatively. Like, Elway was a better runner than Marino, right? He was a better all-around athlete. Don't forget, Elway was a New York Yankees draft pick. He's one of the first guys to, to use that as leverage, right? That's how he got himself. Yeah, he was an outfielder, too, wasn't he? To the Broncos. Right, yeah. So, so I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying Justin Fields is going to have the career of John Elway. I'm not saying he's not, but... I'm telling you, physically, when I look at him and when the play develops, that's who jumps into my brain. The Marino in that equation is Dwayne Haskins. Haskins is absolutely like Marino was in terms of standstillness and giant arm and accuracy. So Fields is, is, is definitely the Elway to Haskins Marino, that's for sure. And you know what else is fun about this? Is that Fields has another year left after this. As good as OSU no was five games, you got another year left. And by the way, your comparison you made to Trevor Lawrence through five games. Trevor Lawrence through five games is completing 61% of his passes, has eight touchdown passes and five picks. Tell me which one's playing better right now. Did you watch that game yesterday, Clemson versus North Carolina? That was the only good game on the entire day outside of OSU, so absolutely. I was thoroughly unimpressed with Lawrence. And I, I get I am in the – I want my argument to be right camp when I watch him. I won't dispute that. I'm just not that impressed. I don't see – listen, he looks really good. I mean, he looks like a first-round quarterback, but the transcendent best quarterback ever to step on a field stuff, I just don't see it. Am I missing something? 
I think the entire Clemson team is going through the same thing that Florida State went through in 2014, Ohio State went through in 2015. It's like there's a little bit of focus that they're just missing. Uh, that, that Clemson game yesterday at North Carolina reminded me a lot of 2015 when OSU went to Indiana and they kind of shrugged out a win. And it was kind of like, what is going on here? Uh, I think Trevor Lawrence is part of that. I think he's a young kid. Remember, he only started half of the year last year. Everybody assumed he was robo quarterback and was going to come in without any other outside factors. And I think he's just caught up in the whole, we're the defending national champions. Everybody says we're going to deck everybody. You know, we, we can go out and just play mindset that I think that's going through that Clemson team. And I think Clemson this year is going to be a lot like Florida State was the year the Buckeyes won the national championship. Defending national champions kind of held on through a crappy ACC to an undefeated season. When they finally got to a bowl game where it quote-unquote mattered, some people argued, wow, they haven't done much this year, but they're the defending champs, so you got to keep them in. And other people argued, dude, they're not that good. And then what happened was Oregon decked them in the Rose Bowl in the semifinal. Clemson has that vibe written all over them. They're not going to play anybody with a pulse this year. And if they lose a single game in that crappy ACC, they should be at the back of the line in terms of even getting into the playoff, like OSU was in 2015, where the that just – and, and even worse, because 2015 at least had another team in the Big Ten in Michigan State who deserved a playoff opportunity. There's nothing in the ACC. Nothing. So Clemson, to me, their season path seems very clear-cut to me, which is they're going to make the playoff because everybody they play sucks, and they're going to run into an Ohio State or an Oklahoma or an LSU or a Georgia or whoever. And they're going to get decked. And I think Trevor Lawrence is part of that. I think you have to look at the physical talent that Clemson team has, and it's amazing. But there, there's something missing right now in Clemson, and I don't know if they're going to find it before the season's over. Who can beat Ohio State? Well, who can is a different answer than who would. Um, I like what I've seen out of Oklahoma so far. Folks, read the Bucket of Bullets today. You'll see that I have them perched at number two. They're the closest thing I've seen to the Buckeyes this year on both sides of the ball. Uh, and I say that because everybody's going to be like, well, what about Alabama? What about LSU? You know, What about Georgia? Okay, we'll get to them. Like, they're all capable of beating OSU. I don't think any of them would beat OSU. Oklahoma at least is showing that not only are they putting up ridiculously stupid offensive numbers, kind of like OSU, but their defense has vastly improved under former OSU coordinator Alex Grinch. Both sides of the ball, Oklahoma is doing it consistently. Whereas you go to the SEC, look, Alabama, there's a lot of flaws that are being, both Alabama and LSU have a Ohio State of last year vibe to them to me. In that, their passing game is papering over a lot of problems with their teams, and their defenses are not as elite as they used to be. I mean, yesterday, Ole Miss ran for 250 yards against Alabama, scored 30-something points. And look, I know it was a, a early blowout, but Alabama's not running the ball well on offense. Dua throwing the ball to Judy in that group is just, again, it's kind of like, like Haskins last year, chucking it to McLaurin, chucking it to... Paris Campbell and Johnny Dixon, and it makes up for a lot of things that the rest of the team has wrong. But in our heart of hearts, do we think OSU would have won the national championship last year in a playoff situation with that defense? Uh, I think we all know the answer to that, if we're being honest, right? That's the vibe I get from Alabama. That's especially the vibe I get from LSU. LSU's already given up 38 points twice this year. Imagine LSU ever giving up 38 points. That, that would have like when LSU gets up over 20 normally, we're like, wow, it wasn't very good for their defense. 38 twice already in the year, and they haven't even gotten in the meat of their schedule. And then you look at Georgia, 
Georgia's much more of your grind-you-out, play-good-defense kind of team. Jake Fromm is a good quarterback, but the way that they let him be, he's kind of a caretaker guy. Georgia's kind of like a line-you-up, and look, we're, we're a solid football team. There's nothing particularly explosive about them on offense. All three of those SEC teams at this point in time, I don't think have done it at the OSU level. So when you look, look at the national picture of the very top teams, those three SEC teams through September, I think OSU is better than. Uh, I think having watched Clemson, that Clemson's below everybody we've talked about here. Uh, I think Wisconsin is a team that does something very well and run the football, but their passing game is going to limit them against elite teams. And, you know, realistically speaking, Oklahoma is the other team this year that has really impressed me through September. If you want to go on pure merit, and and I, I should add, I'm excluding Auburn from this because Auburn has won some good games. They've played a nice schedule and they're undefeated. So they deserve a lot of credit for that. They've done the most on the field of any SEC team. But the eyeball test for me tells me Auburn's going to win eight or nine games at most just because they've got a freshman quarterback. While they have a good defense, I think there's just better teams than Auburn. And that's going to be something we end up seeing as the season plays out. So of the elite tier, which I'm not yet including Auburn in until they can beat one of those big-time teams, uh, I think Oklahoma is the only team that can has that can really score enough against this OSU defense to make a difference. I just they're the closest thing I've seen to a, a a truly elite, complete team on either side of the ball this year, outside of Ohio State. For me, as I look out across the national landscape, you have nailed it because the thing I fear the most is Lincoln Riley with a month to prepare. Otherwise, I think yeah. they're in good shape. Lincoln Riley with a month to prepare. I'm not saying that they would beat Ohio State, but that would that would make me uncomfortable. I mean, you'd have that's to the only team you now. can see scoring 30, right? Like that's the kind right. of team you could go. Oklahoma could score 30 something points, which might be enough to beat OSU against a good defense, right? All those other teams, like I look at Alabama and I'm like, okay, so the only thing they can do is throw the football, or put Okuda on Judy and let's see how this goes, right? Uh, LSU is the same way. I, I think OSU scores 40 points on both those teams, right? I don't think the other team's going to be able to catch up to them. You play Oklahoma, it's going to kind of be like that Sugar Bowl where it's 42 to 35 or something, right? One way or the other. I think Ohio State could actually line up and run the ball right at Alabama and be successful too. Uh, yeah. LSU the same. I think we're lucky that, and I've said this before, we're just lucky that this just happens. They just happen to be down on defense. That's an absolute outlier for both programs, but through graduation and coincidence, they just aren't as strong at any injury. They just aren't as strong at, at, on the defensive line as they usually are, which is the reason they're giving up all those points. Of the teams remaining on Ohio State's schedule, is there anyone that worries you at all? And let's just say, who worries you the most? I bet I know, but I, I'm curious to hear you say it. Well, there's two teams on the schedule, I think, that have a chance against OSU. Uh, and they're not Michigan State next week, spoiler alert. Uh, first of all, Wisconsin, you have to give a lot of credit for with the way they run the football. Uh, they had that hippo package where they brought in approximately half a ton of offensive linemen to run the ball. And I'm like, that's the most Wisconsin thing I've ever seen, and I love it. Uh, they're an interesting team because I don't know if Jack Cohen can throw the ball well enough. I don't know if they have the receivers, if you shut down Jonathan Taylor, to do it. And we saw Northwestern give them a pretty decent game yesterday. So Wisconsin certainly concerns me. Um, Right now, the team on the schedule, though, that I think is going to be the biggest challenge is Penn State. No one has talked about Penn State this year. No one. The only time we talked about Penn State was, ha, look how dumb Pitt was on the one-yard line. Penn State got lucky to win that game. LOL, Penn State sucks. Well, 
Penn State has more talent than any other team in the Big Ten outside of Ohio State with the way they've recruited. I don't necessarily trust their quarterback in a big game. I certainly don't trust James Franklin not to booger it up somehow. But that's a team that has the physical talent to play with Ohio State. That's a team that, if you look over recent years, has played with Ohio State. And if there's anybody in the Big Ten schedule that's going to give Ohio State trouble, it's Penn State because they have the dudes to do it. Like Wisconsin, we're like, man, their defense is tough because Jim Leonard's a great defensive coordinator and they're always in good tackling position. But they're not as fast as OSU. Penn State has some of that just ridiculous sheer athleticism. Penn State this year kind of reminds me of what normally LSU is, where they have a bonkers good defense, but you kind of question their quarterback and their decision-making as a team. So if I had to pick a team right now, it's Penn State, because the other side of this is, let's say Penn State loses a game or two, human nature for these guys. You really don't want them looking forward the next week to the Michigan game, which is a game where Ryan Day is going to try to score 80, by the way. Uh, Penn State is the most interesting game left on the schedule. And I'm not saying OSU is not going to go out and beat Penn State by two or three touchdowns. It wouldn't surprise me whatsoever. But if there's a team on the Big Ten schedule left for Ohio State that's going to do something that makes us have the fear this year, and by the fear, you read the bucket, but the fear is that deep sense of just despair in your stomach where you're thinking, oh, my God, are we going to lose this game? We haven't had that all year. If there's a team left that's capable of putting the fear in us, it's Penn State. I said the same thing, and it's because me personally, K.J. Hamler gives me nightmares. You do everything right, and he's still going to score. So that makes me uncomfortable. I don't see those players. I definitely don't see it at Michigan. Wisconsin, I watched the Hippo package. I enjoyed it. I love the fact that Northwestern called timeout, and Wisconsin still came out with a Hippo package, handed it to (laughs) Jonathan Taylor, and he basically was untouched for five yards. Could they score a touchdown or two against Ohio State just bludgeoning them? I guess so. But can they do it repeatedly and and do it enough to score enough points to win? I, I just don't see that happening. So give us your quick look ahead here as we finish up at Michigan State. They pulled out a win against Indiana yesterday at home. If anyone watched the game, that was a very, very close football game, which is somewhat of an indictment of Mark D'Antonio's thoughts on uh, the Spartans coming in to face Ohio State this weekend at night. Yeah, I am, I've am. i not been high on Michigan State. Going back to when we had a preseason discussion of what we saw as the Big Ten this year, uh, I thought Michigan State was a 7-5 and five team, maybe 8-4 and four at best. And my opinion after watching them has not changed. I think Brian Lewerke flat out isn't very good. I, I think that their offense continues to be stuck in the Stone Age. And I don't think their defense is as good as everybody makes it out to be. They should have likely lost to Indiana yesterday. Just watching that game when I was watching the snippets of it, when I wasn't watching the Clemson versus uh, North Carolina game, I just was not impressed with Michigan State. And, yes, they can play defense and they have some talent, but they're the type of team, again, that doesn't quite have the guys that can run with an Ohio State. I don't see Michigan State scoring many points against Ohio State. I see the Buckeyes putting up plenty of points against Michigan State, especially after they get a couple touchdowns. And Michigan State's defense realizes, Damn it, we're out of this game because our defense is not going to be our offense is not going to be able to score enough points. So I, I think Sparty continues to be revealed as the mid-level program that they are this year. Uh, they just don't have the players on offense to put up a lot of points flat out. Brian Lewerke's not mobile enough to get away from Chase Young and company. So I think OSU is going to decisively win again next week, and then we'll go into the week off sitting there thinking, 
all right, let's see if Northwestern can give them a challenge because that's where we're at right now with OSU. They're like the, the, the AAU basketball team that keeps winning by 40 and keep going, is there anybody who can play with us? We haven't found them yet. Michigan State's not going to be the team to do it. They don't call them the people's champ for nothing. When you're done listening to this podcast, you should be over-reading the bucket. Facts. Have a great Sunday, brother. Hey, thanks for having me on, Dan. We'll be back in one minute with Dave Biddle. And we're back, Dave. The topic of this podcast so far, I've already figured out the title, Hyperbole Central. Please talk about the Buckeyes and try and refrain from uh, sweating. Well, it's it's amazing because we keep waiting for their quote, first true test of the season, Dan, and, and it just doesn't come. It uh, has not come yet. Uh, maybe it will come this coming Saturday against Michigan State, but um, it was like a video game out there last night. It was like the Buckeyes could do whatever they wanted, whenever they wanted to. Um, I certainly – I mean, I, I predicted 45-20, to 20, but, you know, all off season, based on what I saw the first four weeks, but all off season, I was thinking this was going to be a tough game. You know, I thought Nebraska would get after it to beat their Super Bowl – um, they would play above their heads, they'd pull out all the stops, and they would find a way to make it a close game. Um, I backed off of that a little bit heading into the game, but I did not expect this. I don't think Ryan Day probably expected this. I mean, they just blew the doors off a Nebraska team that is not as good as anybody expected they would be this year. Um, a lot of people like myself said they were going to be the most improved team in the Big Ten record-wise because they were 4-8 and eight last year. Um, they're not as good as anybody thought they were, but still, I thought that was just a, an immensely impressive performance from the Buckeyes. I just can't get over how much better the defense is than they were last year, and the personnel is largely the same, and I realize we say this every week. Do you remember a unit or anything on, on the team like this getting so much better year to year? I guess the only thing I can even think of might be when um, Urban took over in 2012, and uh, of all people, we were touting Ed Warner as a genius because of what he did with the offensive line. Well, maybe it was just that uh, Jim Bowman wasn't doing what he needed to do, and it was just they needed somebody who was competent with offensive line, and he looked like a genius. But this was taken to the next level. I mean, yeah, Greg Schiano looks really bad, as I point out every week. I mean, this just makes him look bad. Um, yeah, the guy, you can say the guys are a year older and all that, but it, certainly last year the problem was scheme. We all know it. These guys were immensely talented coming out of high school. As it turns out, their star ratings were not incorrect. Um, and you look at guys like, and even some of the guys who were playing well last year. I thought Jeffrey Okuda by the end of the season last year was playing really good football. He was the guy, maybe other than Dwayne Haskins, I thought was the best player on the field at the Rose Bowl. Um, you know, Chase Young played well last year, but nothing like we're seeing this year. And it's the guys who underperformed last year, like Baron Browning, um, just on and on and on that have stepped their games up. The scheme is sound. They're not giving up big plays. They're tackling well. Last year they missed a ton of tackles. Um, and just across the board, I mean, it is just, you know, one of the best defenses I've seen. And this Ohio State team, Dan, um, for, uh, you know, speaking of hyperbole, um, gosh, I'm trying, I, 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 I pause before I say this because I, I, I collect my thoughts. This is the best Ohio State team that I've seen. And I, I want to wait for like more weeks, but so far through five weeks, this is the best Ohio State team I've seen. I don't mean like in the last couple of years, I mean, period. And even before my years covering the team, I was a diehard Ohio State fan from a young age. I've seen a lot of great Ohio State teams. I could tell you, like, you know, their entire roster almost, 84, you know, 90, you know, just go all the way back. I mean, 96 was a great team. 98 was a great team. Obviously, 02 was a great team. 14 was a great team. And I'm not saying this team's going to win the national championship. Well, from what I've seen through five games, uh, you want some hyperbole, this is the best Ohio State team I've seen. They're, they're great in every facet, offense, defense, special teams. 
yeah, there are things they can clean up. I get that. But, I mean, they're winning the turnover battle. They seem like they're the more prepared team. They're more physical. They're certainly faster than every team that they've played, and that, that will not change. They will be favored in every game going forward um, by a lot in most games. Um, that doesn't mean they're going to run the table, but I, I tell you what, at this point, Dan, I'll be disappointed if they don't because of what I just said. Yeah, Dave, I think you perfectly captured my enthusiasm for the team right there. And I got, I was saying, I got multiple texts from friends of mine or, you know, colleagues that have seen a lot of football who said the exact same thing last night. Part of it to me is the guys they have in the key spots. Sometimes it's the smoke and mirrors thing, or even when Troy Smith was the best player on the team or he won the Heisman, I don't think anyone sat there and thought he was the next John Elway. I freaking compared Fields to Elway when I was talking to Bax. Chase Young, it could be a first pick in the draft. Jeffrey Okuda, I keep saying this, this has been cornerback you. He is definitely the one I would take of the group that I've seen here. So I really, like that's what I said, that's why I'm calling the show Hyperbole Central or something similar. It's just been so friggin' impressive. Let us know what's going to go on from here. They got Michigan State at home. One of the storylines that you're going to have to kick in here is now that everyone's jumped on board nationally is how do they guard against all the praise? So we know that, but but do you think it will have an effect, and how do you see Michigan State's trip to uh, Columbus going this weekend? Whatever Ryan Day is selling, the players are buying. I mean, he is keeping this team focused, and I keep waiting for a letdown. Okay, now that they, they crushed Cincinnati, and, you know, there was a lot of hype leading up to the Cincinnati, and they'll probably have a little letdown against Indiana. Nope, they beat Indiana 51-10. to 10. You know, and maybe they'll have a little letdown out after they beat Nebraska, but they probably won't. I mean, they're going to be focused on this game and um, – you know, I had to reference, you know, 98, you know, there was, a, what, 1973, there was a 2015. I don't think any Ohio State fan needs to be reminded that Michigan State's a dangerous team and not to take them lightly, um, just based on history. And I know this year's Michigan State team, they look very pedestrian offensively, but Brian Lewerke is a fifth-year senior quarterback who looked pretty good yesterday against Indiana's defense, mind you, but but still. Um, and Michigan State's defense didn't look as good as usual yesterday against Indiana, but they're a good defense, and they'll be, they'll be ready. But this Ohio State team, Dan, I just – until I see it now, I'm going to back off the, well, maybe this will be a letdown because Ryan Day, whatever he's doing in his staff, he's got these guys laser-focused. And uh, I expect, I don't expect them to route Michigan State because D'Antonio is going to come in here and, and, and do what he does. But I also think this is going to be an Ohio State team that's going to take the fight to Michigan State. Where I think a lot of times, and disclaimer, Urban Meyer is a legend and I love him. There were times when Urban Meyer, I think, would kind of not take the fight to, to D'Antonio and kind of let D'Antonio take the fight to him, and he would react to what D'Antonio was doing. I don't see Ryan Day doing that. Again, disclaimer, Urban Meyer's a legend, and I love him. He's won three national titles. I'm not saying Urban Meyer is not any of that, and that Ryan Day's better, but I just that's one of the things I think Ryan Day's going to do different. I think he's going to take the fight to Michigan State, and uh, Michigan State's kind of used to throwing the first punch at Ohio State. So I think the, the train is going to keep rolling uh, next week in Columbus. I might feel a little differently if the game was in East Lansing. Actually, no, I would. And Ohio State dominates when they go up to East Lansing. It's only when it's in Columbus it's a problem. But, uh, yeah, man, I think that the, uh, the Buckeyes are just going to keep this rolling. They're just good in every facet. They're getting healthier, um, and especially five games into a season. And I like the way Josh Allaby played yesterday at right tackle. So hopefully uh, get Brandon Bowen back. Maybe after the, the bye they'll get him back. Maybe they'll get him back next week. But, uh, yeah, I just can't say enough nice things about this team. I'm going to say one more because it's the hyperbole edition. I do think they're going to just obliterate Michigan State. I don't see Michigan State scoring more than 16 points, and I'll put Ohio State in the 50s somewhere just because it's a night game. The weather is going to be good because we've got a little Indian summer going on here. Dave, we appreciate you making time on your Sunday. We appreciate everybody making time on their Sunday to listen. Have a good one, Bucknutters. 
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.